let's start over. You know, I spoke to you last week about do not be deceived. And I was really talking about uh, the topic of falling away and those who are falling away. Those who have already fallen away. And I taught on the misnomer, the wrong theology concerning eternal security. And once saved, always saved. How that's just simply not true. And we had three people who responded last Sunday morning, who came forward for salvation, for rededication. And I thank the Lord for that. We've had some baptisms here lately. I'm just really thankful for what the Lord is stirring and doing in our midst. But even last Sunday, hopefully, there were some others of you who right there where you are sitting, hopefully you responded in some way to the message last Sunday and maybe there needs to be a rededication on your part. And that's really what my message is pointed towards this morning is those of, of us who, are, uh, who have either made a new commitment to, to the Lord or are recommitting our lives to the Lord. Um, and so that's specifically what I want to kind of hone in on this morning. And I really want to think about kingdom. Uh, so let's start over. This morning, I have four points that I want to share with you this morning. You know, I've spoken numerous times on Romans chapter 12, verse 2, about renewing our minds. This is one of the most important things. And as I said, I have four points, They're not necessarily in the order of preference. But the first one I want to talk to us about this morning is about renewing our mind. And we need to have a kingdom mentality. Too many times we just have an earthly mentality. We live for today. We go out and try to make as much money as we can so that we can live as good as what we can today. And yes, we need to go out and make money, but why are you going out and making money? Why are you living this life here on earth? And we need to make sure that we understand that living this life here on earth needs to be for kingdom. I'm going to say amen. Kingdom mentality in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus instructs His disciples uh, as they are walking on this earth uh, that they are to be kingdom-minded. And He says to them in the Lord's Prayer, they ask Him, Lord, how should we pray? And He's teaching them how to pray. And He wants them to understand that they need to be kingdom-minded. And He said, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to challenge all of us this morning, challenging myself, are you living with a kingdom mentality? Are you wanting every day for His kingdom to come, for His will to be done right here on earth as it is in heaven? And why are you doing some of the things you're doing? And are you giving God glory in the things that you're doing? And are you having this kingdom mentality to where you have purpose behind what you're doing here upon the earth? Hallelujah. So, in that, I want to start out with this verse. It's a really a prayer from David. It's Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, and it reads like this, God, be merciful to us and bless us. Now think about this. This is King David who is writing this. He's writing a prayer, and he's saying this. He says, God, be merciful to us and bless us. Do you know there's a lot of people who have problems with Christians being blessed? And there's even people in the church that think people shouldn't be blessed, and especially the pastor shouldn't be blessed. There really is. There's that mentality. 
here David is saying, God, be merciful to us. Aren't you glad that we have a merciful God? A gracious God. And he's asking the Lord, be merciful to us and bless us. Now, you know, blessings are way more than just material. You can have all the stuff in the world, but if you have mental anguish, it's a terrible way to live. And I think Andrew Luck exemplified that last night. He has millions of dollars, but he's under tremendous mental anguish. And he said, I'm not living the life that I want to live. Nobody wants to live in that kind of mental anguish. But when you're blessed, you're mentally sound. You, are, you have peace on the inside of you like no one here on earth can give you. That's a wonderful way to live. Hallelujah. I can testify to that. Living in peace, living in joy, living in, in love is a great way to live. And those are blessings from the Lord. Does it include material things? I believe it does. But it goes way beyond that. So King David here is saying, God, be merciful to us and bless us. Why does he want that? And he says, and cause his face to shine upon us. What's that mean? It means that God is turning to us. He's turning to you as an individual and he's looking at you. Whenever I talk to somebody, I want to look them in the face. And that's what David is saying here. I want to look at you face to face. I want you to look at me. I want you to see me. I want to see your glory. Cause your face to shine upon us because glory comes from Him. Amen? Then verse 2. Why does he want all of this? That your way may be known on the earth. Oh, what a way to live, people, that you are so blessed that people look at you and they say, wow, that is the way God is here upon the earth. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. So we are imploring, David here, and I think we need to pray this prayer, implore God to bless us, thank Him for His mercy, why? For kingdom purposes. So that people see the goodness of God, the greatness of God, and how we are blessed, you can be blessed as well. He is a good and gracious God. So he's praying this for kingdom purposes. Now, the next one here is Jesus. First one, we have David praying. Next one, we have Jesus commanding. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. In verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What's Jesus saying once, once again? He's saying this is kingdom stuff, people. I want you to let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and then they will glorify God. Can you do that in your job? Can you go to your job and let your light shine wherever you are at? And people begin to see God because of your light shining. What a way to live. And it's kingdom. I'm going to my job for kingdom purposes. Hallelujah. That they can see the goodness of God. So David's prayer is for God to impart His glory to us. Jesus command, commands us for us to impart to others so that they'll see the goodness of God. One is God imparting to us. The other one is us imparting to others so that they'll see God. Do you see the connection? 
Hallelujah. All of that is for kingdom purposes. So the first thing I'm pointing out here this morning is that we be kingdom-minded. The second thing, it's going to also tie in with the third point, but we have to understand, and I want these ones who made that fresh rededication last week and anybody else who made a fresh dedication, for us to understand the great importance of the Word. I think down through the years, maybe this is the most important thing that I have learned and maybe one of the most common things that I try to teach is how important the Word of God is. You know, the kingdom of God is based on the Word of God. God created everything seen with the unseen. And how did He do it? Simply whenever He spoke the Word, let it be. Everything is created by His Word. The Word is so powerful. In Hebrews 1 and verse 3, it says this. It's talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Do you understand what that's saying? It's saying that Jesus is the, is the being, the brightness of the glory of God, and He's the express image of God person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high now God's word is so important that we have to understand right here where it says and the word of his power normally don't you say the power of his word but here he's telling us that the word is so important that it is so it is the lead in power. See, His power comes from His Word. So it's the Word of His power rather than the power of His Word. Do you see the importance? That's telling us the Word is so important that His power is based upon, that it is initiated by, that is fulfilled by His Word. We have to understand that so that we can operate properly each and every day of our life and be kingdom-minded. So, now I want you to keep all that in mind. We're going to tie that to the next point. And this one here, you're going to have to stick with me to, to catch this. I want you to, point three, understand your cleansing. Understand your cleansing. The blood cleanses us from sin. In 1 John 1, 5 and 7, I would say most everybody in here knows that, that the blood cleanses us from sin. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. Understand your cleansing. That's so important as we're going to start anew. The blood cleanses. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus that He shed for me. What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood is my victory. Hallelujah. Thank you for the cleansing of the blood. But there's more cleansing to take place. In 1 John 5, 
5 and 6, it says, Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. What's that mean, he came by water and blood? The water is talking about the Spirit. The blood is talking about the flesh. He came from heaven, but he came earthly, in, in, in the earthly body. So it's water and blood. And it is the, uh, Jesus Christ not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Okay, now Ephesians 5, it says this. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. There's a cleansing, another cleansing. It's in talking about being cleansed of your sin. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So cleanse, he's being cleansed, the, uh, the wife is being cleansed by the washing of the word from the husband. Okay. In 1971, it was my first summer out of high school, I built pole barns, Moriarty Builders over Fairmount. I worked there for my first summer. It was my first exposure coming out of high school. I was pretty, now that I look back on it, I guess I was pretty guarded, pretty shielded from a lot of things in the world. But when I got on that work crew, I heard the F word a thousand times a day. I never heard anybody use that in vocabulary. And this crew that I worked on, I mean, they were rude and they were crude and I'd never been around that kind of thing. And it was quite a shocker to me. And I wasn't even a believer then. It was the next summer before I got saved. But even then, I just, I knew that that was just wrong. And I would come home and I would feel filthy from listening to that all day long. How about someone who is raped? They never committed a sin. But how many rape victims feel like they're dirty? Like they're filthy? How many of them struggle with all of that? How many of you are maybe in a work environment that is full of gossip and bitterness and anger and you have to put up with that all day long and you just come home and you feel down and discouraged you feel heavy you feel dirty you see this washing of the word is what cleanses that away there's the cleansing of our sins but then there's the washing of the water with water by the word of god that washes the filth of the word of the world away from you and a lot of people don't enter into that cleansing they don't understand the importance of the Word of God and getting washed with the Word. It's why it's so important to be in the Word every day because there's the filth of the world that tries to cling to you and hold on to you and to pull you down and to discourage you. But the Word of God will wash down over you and cleanse you of all of that stuff. Praise God for the cleansing of our sins. But we also need a constant cleansing day in and day out. The washing by the Word of God. And if you're a believer and you're not partaking of the Word 
each and every day, then the world is clinging on to you and you're having a hard time battling it. Why do, once again, let me use the rape victim. There are, I, I've seen so many rape victims who struggle with, they blame themselves for it happening or they just can't seem to get over the guilt of what took place in their life. And most every single time that I can think of, it's a person, they may be a believer, they've been washed of their sins, but they're not being washed daily by the Word of God. Do you see the difference? How many people, even sitting here this morning, how many of you could be cleansed of all of that filth and that guilt each and every day because of the Word of God? It takes this Word. This is so important, people, that you understand the importance of the Word of God. God has created it that way. So that, yes, your sins were washed away by the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The precious blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful my sins have been washed away. But you and I both, we need to have the washing of the water, the Word. Just picture this if you would. Let's say, husbands, all of us, we are speaking to our wives on a daily basis. And we're speaking encouragement over them. And we're, we're speaking blessing over them. And we're speaking uh, positive things over her. And we're, we're speaking uh, God things to her. We're speaking Scripture into her life. All of that positive stuff is just washing over her. That's what the Word of God does. It washes over us and it cleanses us day in and day out. It, once you have been saved, it's the most important thing that you can do is to get into the Word of God. You must be a person of the Word. Hallelujah. Don't know if I can stress that enough. So we have two kinds of cleansings. Now then, um, let me talk about this fourth point. In the fourth point, this is kind of maybe an odd one, but I want you to understand this. Take responsibility. Believers, take responsibility. Give me the chart, Chad. Take responsibility. You know, we are in a culture now where it's not responsibility, it's rights. People have their rights. Can you agree with me on that? People believe they have their rights. Well, we, we do. We live in a free country. People do have rights. In this chart here, I'm not sure how well you can see that. Uh, yeah, you can see it pretty good here. Uh, this here has member, leader, pastor. And the rights as a member... You as a member have a lot more rights than I do as a pastor. Uh, let's say that the leader is a Sunday school teacher, uh, an elder, a deacon, uh, something like that. As a member, you have the right on a Sunday morning to get up and say, I don't think I'll go to church today. But as a Sunday school teacher, you have less rights and you need to be here as pastor I have no right even though there's mornings where I would like to stay home myself 
I have zero right to stay home. Amen? So as your responsibility increases, your rights decrease. We live in a society that doesn't understand that today. And at the same time, here as my, in, my responsibilities increase as you climb. Your responsibility increases, but your rights decrease. Believers, will you begin to be people, especially all you new believers, the ones that you're wanting to start, take responsibility. If you've said something you shouldn't have to somebody, take responsibility for that. If something has gone wrong somewhere, take responsibility. Don't always blame somebody else. Don't, you're not always a victim. We have this victim mentality today. And we need to get over that as believers because we're better than that. We're not victims. We are victorious through Christ Jesus. Has things happened to us? Yeah, things happened to us. But I'm not a victim. I've been delivered from being a victim. I'm no longer a victim. I'm going to be responsible. And so, my rights decrease. This is a kingdom principle. In Matthew verse 20, or chapter 20, it says this, Jesus called them to Himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, we as believers, we have to be responsible. I'm responsible, first of all, to the Lord. Whenever David sinned against Bathsheba in chapter in, in Psalm 51, he says, Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. It wasn't Bathsheba's fault, even though she may not have been doing everything she should have been doing. He took blame for what he did. He took the responsibility for it. And it's time for believers, and I'm especially encouraging you new believers, if you're wanting to start over, be a person who takes responsibility for your actions. And don't depend upon your rights as a husband, I guess I have the right to treat Jackie however I want to. Uh, but I also will reap the benefits of that. Or the wrath of that. <laughs> you know, when, when your friends... There's not a lot of responsibility in that as far as what marriage would. You have, say, friends, and you have dating. Whenever you go into dating, your responsibility increases and your rights decrease. Once you're dating, you don't have the right to go sleep with any, anybody and everybody you want to. In fact, it should be nobody, including the one you're dating. <laughs> and once you get married... Your rights are gone. 
But your responsibility is honorable and it's good. It's the same way in a job. As an employee, what's the difference? There's a difference between an employee and a boss and an owner. An employee has the right to stay home if he wants to. But if you do, the boss has a responsibility to bring you into correction or to fire you. Amen? As we grow in Christ and we go up the ladder, our rights diminish and our responsibility increases. I have a great responsibility as a pastor to live right before you all. I have a responsibility to be here, to be consistent, to do the right thing. I no longer have the right to live however I want, to do whatever I want, to say whatever I want. Those things are gone. They have to go out the window. You no longer have those rights. This is extremely important as we start over in our walk with the Lord. Do you see that? So we have four things. We have, first of all, having a kingdom mentality. We secondly have the great importance of the Word of God. And then we have to understand our cleansing. It's not just being cleansed of our sin. It's also being cleansed of the junk each and every day. And then fourthly, take responsibility. Four great points, I think, that will help all of us to grow in the things of God.